The whole idea for me of this series of programs is to highlight the individual people who are engaging in the we.net and the campaigns that are taking place because I want to show people that everyday regular folks can get involved and do something positive. You're listening to Heart of Mind Radio for the New Millennium. I'm Katherine Davis, and today my very special guest is Andy Smallman, and he works to promote ordinary activities that awaken kindness, helping people connect to their true nature and increase peace in the world. He is the visionary and founding director of the Puget Sound Community School, an independent school in Seattle designed to help students in grades 6 through 12 build on their strengths and nurture their intrinsic motivation. Andy now serves as a consultant and mentor to people, especially young adults, interested in developing the self-awareness tools needed to gain clarity on their goals and mastery over their lives. He is also a popular guest speaker and wedding officiant, and he facilitates workshops on the topics of positivity, healthy communities, and parenting. In everything he does, Andy helps people see the awe both inside and all around them. So I think I want to say hello and welcome, and I would say that everybody must need an Andy in their life because that sounds pretty special to be able to have that kind of person who cares about and wants to motivate people. So can you give us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be so wired in such a way that you care about kindness? Yeah, well, thank you for that nice intro, and Catherine, it's a uh, thrilled to be a guest on your program. Um, I think the background, in fact, I was just writing about this for a, an article, kind of a reflective piece I was doing for myself, and then I, I published it. I think a lot of it uh, it comes from my upbringing, specifically my, my mom, um, who I think just always was the person in the neighborhood that people went to. And I, in this article that I was just writing, I just did what was being the human thing to do. I don't really know if she thought about doing things as being kind or polite or civil or whatever, you know, other word we might want to use it for. She just did it because that's what good people do. And I grew up in that kind of environment. As I um, got older and realized that my calling in many ways was to work with young people and I made the decision to become an educator, I really found that touching children from the inside out, really realizing who they were, helping create environments in which they really discovered what was true to themselves, that what came out of children was really a genuineness that I ended up describing quite often as a natural form of kindness and just really recognizing the importance of tapping into and becoming aware of 
the ordinary things that are being presented to us every day and positive. And I think we get hung up sometimes and caught up in the negativity that we don't recognize that there's so much good going on around us. So that's really giving you a, a kind of a, a broad stroke overview of my background. I could illustrate it with stories if that's of use, but I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that as a starting spot. Well, that's a good place to start, I think, at least giving that insight that it comes through naturally and for many people it doesn't. And how do you find that interface with people who potentially have problematic backgrounds or children or young people who are struggling in their lives, how do you weave that in to be able to have the impact that you desire? That's an insightful question. And looking at what happens environmentally come from a, a belief that we're not born bad. I don't think that we come into the world being negative minded. I think that um, we are exposed to certain things in our upbringings, and some of us have traumatic things we're exposed to. So the work that I've tried to do always when I've worked with a child, especially who might have some problematic experience, traumatic experience, is to try to guide them back to something that I think is inherent at birth, which is something true to who they are. That can be much more difficult if somebody really has come to look at themselves negatively. So what I hope to do is help people find that there is something beautiful and wonderful and inherently wise within them, regardless of what trauma or challenge they may have experienced in life. Do that is even going for a walk with someone and just asking them to to try to find something along the walk that is touching them in some way. It could be that the air, it could be a flower, it could be the sun, it could be the rain, Um, but something in nature that helps them feel in some ways grounded again. And that often is a way to help connect them into maybe becoming aware of other things that either they've done or they've experienced that are more positive and guide them into a, a spot of the challenges that they face, but recognition uh, that there are things that have been positive and can be positive um, and try to move from a position of strength rather than away from a position of weakness. Excellent. And maybe you could also begin to weave that into how you discovered We the World and the work that they are doing. And through We the World, how are you moving this mission into a broader context by, I guess, making it more available to a broader spectrum of people or maybe moving it into the world from adults' perspective, giving them this kind of awareness? What is that journey for you? Great. Yeah, thank you. First part of that question, I'd say, way back in 2012, by the founder of something called the Compassion Games to create an activity that people in the first year of the Compassion Games could engage in that would be a positive-based kind of compassion-based or kindness-based activity. And I built something from there that in the second year of the Compassion Games took off in a big sort of way. So 2013, I had come up with something I called the Secret Agent of Compassion that I'd been doing for 25 years, basically, and just trying to promote ordinary acts of kindness, like you said in my introduction. So each day with the secret agent of compassion, it's it's intended to be a game that people can engage with, but a positive game, one in which everyone can win. And so I will send out what I call a mission 
to secret agents, and I always kind of put that in quotes, air quotes, to say secret agent, because I don't really want it to be secret, but it's, again, it's a game, so it's fairness, that here we are getting a mission from headquarters, or really what I have come to call the heart quarters of the international kindness team, similar to if people have recollections of there was an old TV show in the United States in the 60s and early 70s called Mission Impossible, and it was made into the Tom Cruise movie franchise. But the TV show always began, the director had discovered, and it was always began with Good Morning, Mr. Phelps. And I wanted to, to build on that idea, except the mission that I would give would be one of engaging in an act that would bring more peace to the world or bring more compassion to the world. That's wonderful. Started and, in 2013. And so in getting that started, we, the world, learned of that work, and the Compassion Game started partnering. And that's how I got involved as we kind of moved forward and have continued doing that secret agent of compassion work since 2013. So can you give us a little bit more detail about the Compassion Games itself and how broad it is? Yeah, well, I mean... I can give you what I know. I know that uh, there are people who can give you even more specific detail about it, but I know from the beginning it started kind of as almost a reaction to the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky. That's the city of Louisville having signed the Charter for Compassion, becoming a compassionate city, challenging the city of Seattle to see which one was more compassionate. And John Raymer had this idea of creating games as a cooperative competition, what he ended up calling a co-opetition between the two cities. So it started that as this kind of tongue-in-cheek game to see which city would be more compassionate. And it was just the two in 2012. In 2013, and this would be an annual event beginning in September. Um, So the first year it took place over four weeks, and then John refined it with more involvement from many, many more organizations. 2013 to take place beginning September 11th and go through uh, September 21st, the Day of Peace. So um, over the course of those days, then there would be these different activities. And John, who's very technologically savvy, created something called the Compassion Map, where people could record their activities as well. So the number of people that that has touched internationally since 2012, I would suggest is, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not into the millions of people that have either been touched by this in some way by engaging in the games or touched in some way by being somebody that has been benefited in some way from the game. So John has more data about the like the number of people that have, have been impacted, but he travels the world now um, talking about this kind of thing and um, being sitting on advisory boards and, and presenting um basically detail of ways for people to get involved. Mm -hmm. You're part of this beautiful experience. How do people tap in to what you're offering, this secret agent? Secret agent of compassion. So there are different ways. If people are interested in getting involved, the simplest way is I've archived every mission that I've created over these eight years uh, at secretagentofcompassion.org. So if people go there, they'll they'll find um, more detail and can connect to CompassionGames.org. I also have archived the um, kindness-related content that I've been creating since, well, I, I started promoting it online in 2011, but I've been creating it since the 90s. And that's at KindLiving.net if people were interested in that. But the specific secret agent of compassion is just secretagentofcompassion.org. 
Mm-hmm. That sounds great. So have you gotten um, feedback, you know, people connecting with you on a personal level, or do they just pick up the the idea and run with it? Um, well, it's a little of both. Uh, I have tried to create content that people can adapt and make into whatever resonates with them without really having to you know, have me be some kind of guide or facility. Also, more than happy to serve in that capacity. So I get contacted often by educators about kindness into their classrooms or compassion and um, have fun, you know, relating and, and communicating with them. But I also want people to recognize that there is no like guru on things like kindness. It's really um, people um, recognizing within themselves what it is that um, resonates and, and working with that. So I'm more of a seed planter and really encouraging people then to nurture those seeds in ways that resonate with themselves. But that's not to suggest for a second that I'm not uh, happy to help people if they reach out. So that's what I mean. It's a little of both where people can use me as a resource or they can simply go to these different websites and find what I've created and and do with it what resonates with them. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a story or two about some of the things you've done or some of the things other people have done? Sure. Um, So uh, one of the things, one of the stories that I like to tell is I, I created an activity and I've used this occasionally as a mission in the Compassion Games. And uh, I want to kind of give it a kind of a paint it in a big picture sort of way. So what I want people to recognize is that there are things out in the world that are wonderful for them to find that are being presented all the time. A sunrise is an example of that or a blooming flower or the bud on a tree. I mean, those are all nature examples. But I think we can also, as humans, contribute to these things existing out there. And there are other people who've done similar things. So the theme or the mission that I created one time was provide something wonderful for someone to find was the mission. So in doing that, I I wanted to really stress wonderful is a subjective term. So what would different people define as wonderful? And I wanted the person creating it to be the first one to define that. So one of the people who was participating is an artist, and what she created was some art and put it near a library where she knew was in her neighborhood where people might find it. And it was, in essence, a gift that she created, putting out in the world that the, somebody, if you will, lucky enough to come upon it could have it. So there was a note on it that said, here you are, this is for you to, to find, maybe in some way, um, pay it forward or create something forward. The person who found it ended up, because there's also a link to the activity, the person who found it wrote in to me to say how touched she was and how it had warmed her day. And this is kind of the stereotype of kindness, which I think serves a purpose, is, is its ripple effects. It goes forward and touches more people. Um, and so then she got involved and started sharing about this thing that she found. I was inspired to create that, if you will, theme. I was inspired to 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 promote that theme after reading Annie Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek book, in which she describes in Chapter 2 how when she was a child, um, she would hide pennies in, like, little spots in, around her neighborhood and put a sign up and say, surprise ahead, and invite people to come find them and just imagine the delight that they would have when they'd find a penny on the ground or in the little nook of a tree or something. And it 
reflected back on that. She said, well, that's the way nature works, is it's always providing us those surprises. And she goes on to say, but our challenge as adults is we've come to recognize or come to believe that finding a penny hidden by a child is not worth even bending over to pick up, is that we've we've cultivated that eh, it's not the right time. And so what I'm trying to do is bring people back to that childhood excitement that it is worth your time to recognize that the sunrise is a spectacular thing and, and can be seen as a gift or an act of time. Well, that is lovely. That is lovely. And it's such a, a wonderful way to experience life because when I look at what many people are engaged in at the moment with um, this obsession with social media and social media being such a toxic environment and people being driven in many ways to be overly focused on themselves, be that in self-judgment or maybe focused to compare themselves to somebody else or to some, something else, and always looking at this material way of understanding life. It strikes me that this is something that will make a difference if it catches on big time. I would love to see that happen. Have you thought of anything that, or maybe you can think of something that we could do in the social media landscape? I love that. And I love the way that you phrase that because <clears throat> that's kind of how this technology is being used is if there's so much more negativity, but it also something I think that we as individuals can do something about. And I oftentimes talk about this idea that has come out of something called positive psychology that recognizes that as humans, we have a built-in bias towards negativity that the idea is that we are drawn to the things that are negative in more significant ways than we are drawn to things that are positive. And so we promote them. We feel in some ways that we're sharing something significant or that the negative is more important than the positive. So that's kind of deep within our history. And, and the research is showing that for every negative message that we hear or promote, we need three positive ones just to balance it out. So I want to encourage people to use social media to promote those three positive messages to balance out those negative messages. So I try to send out positive comments or positive image with a, uh, I, I write a lot of haiku, positive haiku poems, and then I work with illustrators to illustrate them and use those as just, here's something to, to use social media for um, promoting something positive. Uh, so that's what I encourage people to do and to recognize that, that we all as humans have an inherent draw to negative, to work very consciously with the fronts of our brains to balance that out. And in fact, to counterbalance that and recognize that just because something is positive doesn't make it flighty or lightweight or fluffy or whatever. Um, we tend to think that the negative stuff is, is when we can be serious and adult. I think there's serious and adult ways to engage in things that are positive, and that's what I'm trying to use social media for. Excellent, and I agree with you completely. I think that whatever that reptilian brain is that we have or whatever that part of our brain that is more in tune with survival, 
I think that does tend to make us look for the things that are wrong because the way to be safe is to be able to know where some animal is hiding in the bushes and to be able to look ahead and see which way to go so that we can be safe and that we can be prosperous and all of these things. But I really find your work hopeful because I think more and more we don't need those skill sets in the same way but people are driving themselves and each other almost into an unnatural state, an unnatural mental state where we see so many more people being depressed and being prescribed some kind of drug that's going to help them pull up their spirits. And I think just like meditation can have an impact if people begin to take responsibility for the quality of their thoughts, then that would be a way to very directly improve their state of well-being. Yeah, I couldn't phrase that any better. Everything you just said echoes what I try to do. And I try to put um, things that people get, activities they can do to give actual um, engagement to the to what you were just describing. Oh, I love that. Well, I would like to, I'm going to to connect and look for some of your memes because I want to start putting stuff on Facebook and whatever little social media I use at my more advanced uh, age, I suppose, compared to young people. <laughs> but um, I think it would be nice to be able to just have a library of wonderful things to share with people to brighten up their day and to just make them realize, oh, wait, I could pass this along and do something nice for someone or I can create something. I think it's a wonderful thing. We we probably need this every day of the year, Um, though it is good to be able to highlight during a particular period. So before we go or run out of time, can you remind us of how people can connect and when is this time period where you're most active with regard to the we.net team? So um, in terms of accessing me or or learning more about me, um, I have my own website that is just my name, so andysmallman.com. And there is a contact link that gives like ways people can get a hold of me, like Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and access a Wikipedia page that was created about me. So, I mean, there's lots of ways that people want to get in touch with me or look at the kinds of things that I'm doing. And Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, I mean, all of the social media. And I really do try to stay focused on putting positive messages out there um, and be an example of, of that and hope that that includes others to focus on the positive and not, you know, just uh, silly things or, or things that are, are, are obviously negative. So that's a way to reach me. In terms of things like the Compassion Games and, and We the World, you've, you've got we.net, you know, compassiongames.org. Um, those are ways to see some of the other events that are going on. And there are also Facebook pages where people can follow and get engaged in that way as well. Excellent. So have we left anything out, something you'd like to share? Maybe tell people how they can connect with you if they actually, um, I guess you gave that information, but if people want to actually take you on for counsel or to help them with a program, you're available for that? Yeah, and they'll find all the detail at andysmallman.com. I'd be, and I'll do, uh, I have a unique, I guess, pay structure if people are interested in that. If people think that I have something to offer them, I don't want money to stand in their their way. So that's all spelled out on my andysmallman.com website as well. So 
you can get my email address there, and I will respond to, to everyone who, who contacts me. But I'm a mentor, a mentor, or just a sounding board for folks and um, help them in any way if it feels like it's something that would resonate with them. Wonderful, wonderful. I want to thank you for joining us. And I think you are an inspiration. I Your energy is very positive and upbeat, and you're engaged in a way in life that is having a positive impact on people. So, yeah, you're, you're kind of a hero, you know, making a difference. Just a regular guy doing what you can do, but changing people's lives. And uh, I want to thank you for being able uh, and willing to do that. Catherine, that's lovely. And thank you so much for that. I'm touched by that deeply, actually. Oh, well, it's true. It's true. It matters. It really matters. And I think that you will inspire people to think about what they're doing and what they can do. Because we can all do something. I, I couldn't say it any better than that. All right. Thank you very much for your time. I think that um, I've got enough for now, and hopefully I'll have an opportunity to speak with you again. Yeah, you just let me know. If there's anything I can do for you, I would be pleased to do it. Okay. Thank you now. All right, Catherine. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. 